Good morning, and welcome again to, uh, to Grace Chapel to worship the Lord, to sing, to pray, to learn together. As we do that today, we're continuing our series in 1 Samuel. Would you turn in your Bibles? I would encourage you to do that because I'd like you to be able to flip along and follow with me. Uh, but 1 Samuel chapter 15, I'll be reading the first 23 verses of this chapter. And as we continue our studies, uh, chapters 13, 14, and 15 are our turning point in the short time we study Saul's life and how it turned from good to bad. And that's a negative thing, but yet it's a great positive thing as we learned from his mistakes so we don't do the same. So let's give attention to God's word together, starting 1 Samuel chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted that Amalek did what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child, infant, ox, sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul summoned the people and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fattened calves and the lands and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless they devoted to destruction. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet with Saul in the morning, and it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul and said to him, Bless Excuse me. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, speak. And Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes and you are not, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, 
I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. I've gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I've brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I've devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, as the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For, the re, for, for rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he's also rejected you from being king. Let's pray. Lord God, you're so mighty and amazing and powerful and mighty, and we've sung your praise this morning. Oh, Lord, turn our hearts to you, we pray. What would you have us to hear today? Whether we be a student, an adult, a senior that's looking forward to glory. Lord, in all these ways, you've given us commands, so help us to hear and to be awed by your glory so that we obey you above all else. We pray in Christ's name for your honor and glory. Amen. Ah. So, Matt, tell me why we're studying 1 Samuel again. <laughs> How does it help us on with, uh, as a church? as a congregation to serve our Lord? How does it help me in my walk with God in this Christian time versus the Old Testament times? Uh, how does it help me to believe and be a better follower of Christ? Well, the, the easy answer is, well, this is the word of God, so we believe and we know that it's valuable and important, so God wrote it down, so we need to hear it. But it's more than that. The big picture is that, well, remember what we celebrated last week? We do it every Sunday. But Easter Sunday is when we celebrate God's plan of redemption when the Christ, Jesus, came and, and died for our sins and was resurrected to life. So God conquered sin and death, and we know we can have salvation. We can live with God forever. So this is part of that story in Samuel where God made a promise in Genesis, and we see uh, uh, that he's fulfilling it. I mean, they're in between. Abraham was called a thousand years before, and a thousand years later, Jesus is going to come. So we get to see how God's working out his promise to bring a Savior. But it's also a great book to study. We study it because Israel was in transition. Oh, we've heard that word a lot, right? They, and they had trusting God issues. They were impatient with God. They were influenced by their cultures around them, the people groups, they, and their own sin nature influenced them. They went astray. And as a local church, we are in our own transition pains. We always are. And 1 Samuel helps us see how they messed up and how it reminds us how we've messed up, how we've gone wrong, and yet... It reminds us how faithful God is and how he's ready to lead us, forgive us, and to take us to better places when we surrender to him. And 1 Samuel benefits us as individuals because we get to see that in God's big picture, he's working with individuals too. So there's Hannah. 
And there's Elkanah, her husband, and there's Samuel, and there's Jonathan, and then there's those negative people we won't mention that, that do it wrong and don't have so much great faith, but we learn it all and we get to see ourselves. So that's why we study the book. So it brings us to 1 Samuel 15 and asks the question, what delights God? You already know the answer. We read it this morning, didn't we? To obey is better than sacrifice. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Oh, that we would be convinced that was true. Pride is a powerful driving force in my life. How about you? And pride and disobedience seem to be these inseparable partners. They seem to go hand in hand. When I get prideful, then I get disobedient to God. And Saul's disobedience and pride brought him into the, onto the self-destructive trail that he never was willing to turn away from. And God doesn't want you or me or us to make the same mistake. So he tells us about it. And Saul started so well. He was chosen. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was a valiant warrior. He was a deliverer of Israel. He was doing what God wanted him to do. And he gave God a lot of credit early on, but he failed to see the God's delights and obedience that spurred on a heart that trusts in him. If you were to rate Saul's growing in faith and trust in God, uh, the, the could have been, the should have been, what grade would you give him if you know his story? But the more personal question is, how are you doing with that? And what grade would you give yourself today and how you're trusting God or, or are you going astray and is this a, a message that might help you get back on track? God's will is clear and it's always the right thing to do. As we began to read in 1 Samuel 15, you may not have noticed, but three times it says, the Lord sent me to anoint you. Now listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. The repeated words, just a reminder that God's in charge and Samuel's his prophet and you don't ignore the Lord of hosts and sometime not pay for it. Why the reminder, Saul? Because he had started to disobey. And, and we won't take time to look at it, but in chapter 13, he had disobeyed. He'd set up an altar and didn't wait for Samuel to come. And he went ahead of God's timing and plan and the command. And he had set that foolish oath on the men. And that's something you fast and you don't eat before you go into battle, seeking the Lord's help, not in the middle of the battle. So God was reminding Saul here that he's, King, capital K, and Saul is King, little k, a steward, an appointed one to lead his people. Hey, mom and dad, do you know sometimes you have to remind the people that you have been put in charge of to care for, just remind them who you are, that you're the one in charge, that God's put you there, that, that, that they need to obey your voice because you really love them and care for them, and teachers have to do it. And, and uh, coaches have to do it, and a lot of different people have to do it. And today, 
we need to remember that God's in charge. And that as we surrender to his leadership without hesitation, it's going to be blessed. That we need to be active in making disciples. We can talk about it, but we need to be active in obeying his voice because that's what he's commanded his people, his church, his bride to do. He's commanded us to love and honor others above ourselves. He's commanded us to love orphans and to help the widows and the strangers and the neighbors who are in need. Hey, do you remember a couple, well, a few weeks ago, it was more than a couple, that I had you look at one another and smile and look at the people across the aisle because God has called us together to do the work? Well, I want you to look around again at one another and smile. Okay, do it. Yeah, go ahead. And wave at the people across the aisle. Yeah. Okay. And just remember that right now, who's your neighbor? And have you loved them today? Or are you going to just walk away and not find out if they have a need? Or maybe you have a need and you're unwilling to just say, neighbor, I need help because God's people are supposed to do that, and we can begin to practice our doing and loving our neighbors right here, today. So it's not a man, it's not a woman, it's not one of the elders of the church, it's not uh, the director of student ministries. It's God who's asking us to do these things for our good, for the praise of his glory. Are you amazed about God's will about the Amalekites? Wow, just wipe them out. Nothing left. Were they that bad that everything had to go? We won't take time to look at it, but you can read about it in in Exodus chapter 17 and Deuteronomy chapter 25. I can turn there real quick because it's a short verse. God was talking to Joshua through Moses, and he said, Remember what Amalek did to you on the ways you came up out of Egypt, how he attacked you on your way when you were faint and weary, and he cut off your tail. Those who were lagging behind, and he did not fear God. Therefore, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your enemies around you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You shall not forget. So yeah, they they picked off the stragglers. I don't know if they murdered them and took their stuff. I don't know if they enslaved them and took their stuff, but they picked on the weak the wicked, the ones who were lagging behind the main body of the Israelites, and God took note that they didn't care about God or the weak or the orphan or the widow, and God's vengeance is always just. It's always done at the right time, and he knows people's hearts, so his judgments are just. Saul and us were chosen to lead in obedience to God's will, and God's will was clear. And sometimes we might say, boy, I wish God would make his will that clear in my life like he told Saul what to do. I mean, he laid it out. Folks, he's already done it. He's made his will clear. (laughs) And we still make excuses. The serpent made me do it. The woman you gave me made me do it. 
The Apostle Paul understood his part in a plan. He said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Because that's what he was called to do. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We need to take time to think about that individually. What's God's will? You know what it is. It doesn't matter if you're a middle school student or you're a senior citizen. God's will is the same for us. A new believer might not know it all, but God's will for them is the same as a mature believer. And the mature believer is supposed to help the new believer learn how to follow through and obey and trust God through the thick and the thin, the ups and the downs, and to be faithful and consistent. Is that what we're doing? Is that what I'm doing? God's will is clear, and it's always the right thing to do, and it's always good and perfect and acceptable when we get the big picture. Secondly, our disobedience is always our willful choice. Saul, you began so well, and in the first part, first several verses of the chapter, we read how he got the people together, and Israel was unified. Hey, this is an impressive army. Remember, it was always Israel. Just in the previous chapter, they only had 600 guys, and the Philistines were like the sand on the seashore in numbers. Well, now it's reversed. It's like there's all these Israelites together. The numbers are there. There's security in numbers, and they were together on it, and, and they were gentle with the Kenites because they had been gracious to Israel, so they moved them out of the way. And in verse 7, it reads that they defeated the Amalekites. And then there's that but in verse 8. But they didn't kill or wipe out everything. They got rid of the junk but keep the good stuff. It'd be a shame to just slaughter all these perfect lambs. Well, we'll sacrifice some of them to God. You know, you just think about it, though. What were they thinking? I don't know. I'm just guessing here. But if you have a huge herd of sheep and oxen, or a, a herd of oxen, yeah, and sheep, well, you're not going to sacrifice thousands of them all once, so there's going to be some time for some breeding to go on and, you know, healthy sheep and healthy oxen and stuff, and we'll, we're giving them to the Lord, but the new ones, maybe we'll keep them for ourselves. I don't know what they were thinking, but they didn't give it all to the Lord. And you know and I know that this is a Jericho repeat. Everything in Jericho was to be given to God, and all the gold and the precious metals were to go into God's treasury, but there was that one guy. Do you know his name? Go ahead, yell it out. Achan. Achan, Achan. He stole from God and kept it for himself, and he brought trouble on all of Israel for his one little sin. Willful, calculated choice to disregard the word of the Lord. Not the word of a man, not the word of a woman. The word of the Lord. The Lord of hosts. The creator of heaven and earth. We sang about it today. We just sang about it. Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind by testing 
By testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And when I read those verses, I hear this voice in the back of my head always saying, yes, here I am, Lord. Take all of me. Accept. Accept this one thing. It's so hard to give that up. I really, I really need this. I won't let go. I haven't yet let go. Must you have it, Lord? You'll forgive me, won't you? Just this one little thing that I struggle with that I don't want to give up. What made Israel, these people, think that they could disobey God and it wouldn't matter? Did they think God wouldn't notice? (laughs) They knew God would notice. Did they think God's word meant nothing? I guess they didn't think it was that important. No consequences for us because God's on our side? It's true that God's grace is greater than all our sin, but his grace is so perfect and good that he will rebuke and correct us when we willfully disobey. And God will allow painful, natural consequences to touch us in order to get us back in line. It's true that greed is an idol, and God says we shouldn't have idols. It's true that we're to honor one another. And what happens when we grumble against one another and disrespect one another? Do we really believe nothing will happen? Do we think that God won't allow those kind of things to cause disunity, to lose reputation with outsiders just because we believe in Jesus and we do love him and follow him, but we directly and willfully disobey him? Do do we really think God won't bring some kind of consequence? God can His name is so great and glorious. He can withstand, it can withstand any stupid thing I do. And it won't take away from his glory. But he won't allow his children to disobey and not be corrected. Saul wasn't a pawn. He wasn't being overpowered by God's plan. He had a choice not to mess up, but he chose to disobey God's voice. God rebukes and admonishments are for our good. Look at verse 10. And I need to get back to 1 Samuel 15. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I've made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. Just a reminder, I've said this already, but God's call is no little thing. I'm not talking about being called into ministry like full-time vocational ministry. I'm talking about God's call to save you. It's no little thing to make you his child. It's no little calling. Moses was really humble when God called him at the burning bush. You can review that dialogue in Exodus 3 and 4. It's a great dialogue. 
Uh, Gideon was in a hole in the ground, and, and God said, brave warrior, and now he's hiding from the enemies while he's threshing wheat. You do that on top of the hill, not in a hole in the ground. And he called him a brave warrior, and it's like, what? And Gideon's like, I'm the least of the least. And Saul said the same thing. What a great start. I'm, I'm from the least, I'm the, from the smallest tribe, the tribe of Benjamin, and our clan, my family line, we're no big deal. We don't, we're not like power takers. We don't have the great personalities, da-da-da-da-da. We're not like that leaders that had just everyone's, you know, all kinds of humble excuses, but it was the Lord who anointed you, King Saul. Remember who called you. So why did you listen to the people's voice and not my voice? First Peter chapter 2, it says, you are a chosen people, a chosen race. Citizens of heaven, <laughs> citizens of God's city. You're a royal priesthood, so you're a mediator. You're the, the go-between between people who don't know God and people who do know God. That's your calling. You were chosen by God. You're a chosen race. So all the church around the world, picture that today. Just think of the rainbow of colors and the cultures. And yet we're one together to bring glory to God. That's our calling. We're royal priesthood. We're, we're the mediators. We're the ambassadors for this God. We're a holy nation, a holy congregation that's so, to live so differently wherever we are that people can see God's glory, God's perfections. And they may reject it, and the not yet believers, so they can see his glory and get a taste of it, what it's like to be a citizen of God's kingdom and, and want to join us and to be open to hearing the word of God. Once you were not a people, it says, but now you are God's people. Purposeless. No meaning in life. Trying to find it in riches and and thinking aliens are going to rescue us. And now we have the truth. We have a God who's going to save us and take us to glory. And he has great plans for us. So Saul, put in your name. Go ahead, put in my name. Matt Meter. You're right. You're a nobody. But God's made you a somebody. And the devil's blinded the world, and we were once blind to it. Let's not go back to it that God has life and good plans for us, and we don't see it. Let's leave that behind and move on. Disobedience brings so much grief. I want to read Psalm 50, a few verses. But to the wicked... God says, what right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant on your lips? For you hate discipline and you cast my words behind you. You see a thief and you are pleased with him and you keep company with adulterers. You give your, your mouth free reign for evil and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done and I have been silent. You thought that I was like yourself. But now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Mark this, then you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. The one who offers thanksgiving at his sacrifices glorifies me. To the one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. That's where Saul was. 
And God's warning you and me not to be in this place, to, to use the religious talk to claim God's love and his glory, to, to recite the gospel and to memorize verses and to say it out, but not to live like it. He's warning us that that's wicked and you will be judged. It says that God regretted that he made Saul king. What does that mean? says that in verse 11. In verse 29, it almost seems like it contradicts. It says, and also the glory of Israel, that is, God will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man that he should have regret. So in one verse it says God regretted, and in another verse Samuel saying God doesn't regret. You ever thought through that? What do you do with that? What is it? Which is it? God does interact with people, by the way. So he's like living with us. We can't possibly know how our decisions are going to turn out. You know, when we say, like, if I knew then what I know now. But you know what? You might have likely made the same decision anyway. How many times have I purposefully disobeyed God's commandments, knowing what would result And I did it anyway. We don't really have 2020 vision anytime. But God does see clearly. And He knows. He knew what Saul was going to do. And He knew how, if God feels the way we feel, He knew He was going to feel regret, but it didn't change anything. It didn't change his decision. God didn't have a plan B because, oh, Saul messed up. Surprise. Gee, what am I going to do now? It was always plan A. He not only knows what his will is, but he knows what my will is and the decisions I'm going to make and how they're all going to turn out. But it doesn't change Saul's responsibility. And if you can figure that all out in your mind, then you don't know God, because God can't be figured out. And if you can figure out God, then he's not much of a God, especially if I could figure him out. But you know what it is? It's a faith issue. Can I trust God in his ways? I like to think of it this way. They are so far beyond us. The only illustration I could come up with this week was God's thoughts and ways are so much above Matt Meter's thoughts and ways that it's like my, how, how much my thoughts and ways are above my pet goldfish's thoughts and ways. I don't have a pet goldfish, but it makes sense, right? Except God's are way beyond what even that pictures. So what does God do? He rebukes, and rebuke is correction. Here's what was wrong. Your reaction to rebuke is often so defensive. I've never been defensive in my life when someone's corrected me. Oh, look at what Saul starts to do. It was the soldiers who did it. It was I listen to their voice. We're going to give them to the Lord. We're going to give all these sheep and oxen to the Lord. They're, they're for him. But, and, and what does Samuel say in verse 16? He just says, stop. 
says in verse 19, you pounced on the spoil. It's revealing the heart. They pounced on it. They didn't stand back and say, should we or shouldn't we? It's just like, I saw it. I liked it. I wanted it. I took it. It's mine. Oh, I stole it from God because God's sacrifice would have been, was already laid out. Just kill it all. That was giving it all to God. And now they steal from God, and they say, and we're going to give him a cut of the loot. We're such good people. Have you ever heard a lottery winter say, if God just lets me win, you know, the billion dollars, I'll give him 10%. It's like we bargain with God. I'll, why don't we give him the 98% and keep 2% for ourselves? We don't think that way. We rob. Saul's lame excuses, dishonesty. I have obeyed. He didn't obey. Partial obedience is disobedience. We grade on the curve, and we think God should grade on the curve, but God doesn't grade on the curve. He's God. He's not a man that he thinks or acts like us. I can hear Saul and the soldiers counting it out. One for me, one for you, Lord. Two for me, one for you, Lord. Three for me, none for you, Lord. Oh, we'll give you one the next round. You know, it's the way we think. So rebuke is correcting. Here's what was wrong. And then he admonishes him in those classic verses in verses 22 and 23. What does God delight in? To obey is better than sacrifice. It reveals, obedience reveals that you really believe God's way is best. God won't care if I disobey. He'll forgive me. It won't hurt anybody, just me. It's the sin of presumption. What's the verdict? Saul was rejected as king. Do you think God's too harsh? Samuel gives him the cold shoulder after this. It's like Saul said, Sam, Samuel, won't you come down with me? And Samuel says, I will not go down with you. And once Saul realized that he was rejected as king, it's like he woke up and said, wait, what did you say? I'm rejected as king. Okay, you're right, Samuel. I was wrong. I did transgress the Lord. But Samuel, please forgive me and go with me so that the people will see that you're still with me so that I will keep my standing before all the people of Israel and they'll think I'm walking close with God even though you and I know I'm not, but it will appear that way so I can keep my standing before the people. He was more concerned about how he looked before the people rather than his walk and fellowship and relationship with God. So basically he was saying, I fear people more than you, God. Pride and disobedience drove Saul away from God and life to trouble and death. Paul Tripp wrote that book, When People Are Big and God Is Small. It's a really good read fear of people over the fear of God and what it does to our lives. So Saul's rejected. Samuel doesn't go with him because his deepest desire was to look good before people and not worried about his relationship with God. He was clinging to worldly power and he was going to lose that power even though he clung to it so hard. It revealed his heart and God's just telling us this because he wants us to know that he rejected Saul and these are just snapshots 
not his whole life, so that we know God doesn't make a decision on, based on a whim, but on the heart that he knows. King Saul tasted of the Lord's goodness, and he refused it. Judas tasted the goodness of Jesus Christ, and he refused it. We church people are really good at keeping our appearance before people when we know that how we're appearing before people is not the truth, how we're really walking with God. It's senseless to try and fake out God. It's senseless to try and fake out one another. God's delight is that we should admit our failures and trust him, seeking his forgiveness and grace, and he will pardon. Nobody can stand before God. Romans chapter 3. There's none righteous, no, not one. But there's a righteousness from God that's available to us through faith in Jesus Christ. And that righteousness is the only righteousness that we can receive outside of ourselves so that we can stand before God and be saved for all eternity. Saul refused it. Judas refused it. I implore you, seek the Lord while he may be found and call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And Saul refused it. Do not do the same. To obey is better than sacrifice. So ask yourself the question. I know what I should do. Lord, help me to do it. Am I doing it? Or am I trying to fool people into looking like I'm doing it? We need to do that as a congregation. Seek the Lord's favor, not people's favor. God will pour out his wisdom and forgiveness and power and direction and, and, and lead us if we are just willing to humble ourselves. Speak God's word of correction to one another like Samuel did to Saul. Expect pushback because people get defensive. You get defensive. I know you because I know me. But humble yourselves before the Lord. Do it, Saul, and he will lift you up. What is it that Jesus is asking us to do today? Today? that will delight him. Let's pray. Lord, search us. Know our hearts. You do know my heart. You know our hearts. Try our thoughts, Lord, and, and lead us in the way everlasting. Father in heaven, I am so full of myself. We are so full of ourselves and prideful and ungodly and our lust for power and prestige that we will cover up stuff with religious talk. Forgive us. 
Lord, be gracious to us, rebuke us, correct us, bring people into our lives, help us to be brave enough and courageous enough to help one another turn to you. Make us holy, make us beautiful. Make us a glorious bride to show off your greatness, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.